0: This is Bobby Rumpy from Cleveland, Ohio. And you're listening to
1: Barbecue Central. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
2: Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. The show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big-name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs. You'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by... Visiting the website, the BBQcentral.com. Now, let's get in the smoke. Here's your program host, Greg Rempe. Hey. Is
0: this thing on? What do we do around these parts here? Oh, wait a second. I believe they call this the Barbecue Central Show, baby! Yeah! Back and better than ever... And I don't know if it could have actually gotten any worse over the last few weeks, out of pocket last week, and then horrific computer issues that uh, we can talk about if time permits. Happy to have you aboard here for the show tonight. If you didn't know, we broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, which has officially become known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. So in case there has been any type of wondering... If this is uh, the case, rest assured, rest assured that indeed we are now the barbecue capital of the North Coast. And I am happy to report uh, that that has now been officially pronounced uh, the case um, by all of those uh, which proclimate the greater north central Ohio region of northeast Ohio. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here again. Welcome back. Finally, we are here on a Tuesday. So if you've lost the program information as far as contact is concerned, let me give you that again. It's toll-free on your phone, 877-448-0433, 877-448-0433. The email address, greg at com. Those are the two ways to get in touch with the show. Use it. Write it down. Keep it for future information. Whatever you like, uh, you're more than welcome to just lay out as well. But if you'd like to talk about something related to the world of barbecue and grilling, um, that's fine. More than happy to have that. So uh, here we go. Lots to talk about tonight coming up in about 11 minutes from now. First-time guest to the show, Michael D. from Char-B-Q. Anybody know char Ever had char Well... It's a pretty cool product. I saw it. Thought I'd have Michael on. So I booked him. He was supposed to be on two weeks ago, but that didn't happen very well. Uh, But we do have Michael D. coming on. It's Char BQ. Wait until you hear about it. If you want to rush now to the interwebs and take a look at its sneak peek. Before we talk to Michael, you can do so. It's uh, just like it sounds, char, C-H-A-R-B, as in the letter, and Q as in the letter, charbq.com. Check it out. I think you'll be as impressed with the kind of like, oh, man, why didn't I think of that type of a deal. And that'll be Michael D coming up about 11 minutes from now. 35 past the hour, sponsor of the show, friend of the show. He's your butcher and my butcher and everybody's neighborhood butcher. Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue will be joining us. And you're wondering, well, he was just on a couple weeks ago. What else does he have to do on the show aside from sponsor and be happy? Well, let me tell you. He was part of something we're going to be talking about at 35 past the hour. Uh, You know that Extreme Home Makeover show? Maybe you've seen it. Uh, You have the guy that is on speed running around who made a start from trading spaces, uh, Ty Pennington or Ty Murphy or Ty Law or whatever his name is, Ty something. And uh, they do the show where they help out a family in need and rebuilding the whole house. And I think it's funny because I actually did one here in Cleveland a while back. And the house that they make it never seems to now fit into the neighborhood that it was in. Talk about having the best house on the worst street in many of these situations. But I understand it's certainly done out of a goodwill and a good faith to a family in need. So I can dig that. Uh, but somehow competition barbecue was wrangled into this whole show. And Dave was a part of it. So we're going to talk about that particular show and how it all went down, when it is going to be actually airing so we can see it. Uh, so very exciting. He'll be in a half an hour from now. Second hour, we're going to be joined by monthly guests who we missed three weeks ago, was it? Four weeks ago? Maybe it was a month ago. Probably was in July. Now we're a mid-August. Can you believe we are in mid-August already? I can't believe it. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn will be joining us, and we will now revisit... Regional styles of barbecue sauce, or perhaps I should say barbecue sauces, we'll be talking about barbecue sauce, and then the regional styles in whence they live. So if you're a fan of barbecue sauce and who isn't, then you'll want to be tuned in, locked, loaded, and ready for 10 o'clock, well, more specifically 10-10 um, ten minutes past the hour of ten o'clock this evening. Eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three. Oops. Eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three. That's what we have going on tonight. Uh, before uh, we get into that conversation with Michael D from CharBQ, I want to give a big thanks to Huck Junior for sitting in for me last week. Look, I understand he was running up against some uh, pretty substantial technical difficulties of which I don't exactly know. I know he's done live shows on Outdoor Cooking Channel before. And he was hearing, from what I understand, he was hearing the whole conversation. He was getting the whole side. Where? Well, the what? Um, he was hearing the whole side of the conversation except that everybody that was watching in a substantial viewing audience it was from what some of the insiders of the barbecue centralites were telling me, couldn't hear it. You couldn't hear the uh, side of that conversation. So not sure exactly what was going down there, but uh, I, I do appreciate the fact that he went out of his way to sit in for the show. I don't know if I appreciate the fact that it was technical difficult. Nevertheless, uh, he took time out of his schedule to do it and then turned around and uh, did his own show the following uh, night, Wednesday, Outdoor Cooking Channel. Again, uh, I believe he suffered the same Audio technical difficulty, but uh, Huck, thank you for uh, sitting in and If it ever arises again where I will need a host you 're certainly somebody that I would like to lean on. I also did put out a feeler for people if they thought if they thought maybe they would like the host i mean who wouldn 't want to host this show? I mean you like barbecue, you like grilling if you have some very rudimentary. Uh, type items you could be able to host the show you need a webcam and you need to hook up with my guy kevin bevington down at home com and the creator of outdoor dot com. Uh, but other than that you know you have some type of wit and wisdom about it you might be able to host a show so think about it and if you would like to at some point down the road if i was going to be out and you want to jump in you want to get in the bullpen more than happy to have you greg at the Also I want to mention that I just happened to have occasion to spend some time in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city with one Fred Gross from Mojo Bricks. Hung out at the compound on Saturday, met his wife Mandy. Uh, so, Fred, and Mandy, thanks for coming over. They're just, uh, we're visiting some family in the next city to the east of me in Eastlake, Ohio, the jewel of the North Coast. <clears throat> That's debatable. Nevertheless, uh, great people, finally. Uh, well, I always like meeting people in person. Obviously, I'm making a lot of relationships here on the Internet, but a lot of that is just text. Uh, or perhaps you get a some face chatting here or there or some phone time, but rarely are you getting the uh, quality face-to-face time. And I was able to spend some time with Fred and his wife. I uh, was able to hook up with a few more cherry bricks of mojo bricks which i'm very excited about uh so that was all very fun and exciting now you might be wondering what exactly happened here over the last couple of weeks well i had this new computer built about four or five months ago and uh, you know i didn't cheap out on hard drive i didn't cheap out on a lot of the hardware but rumor has it that maybe i might have cheaped out on the operating system Uh-oh. And maybe it wasn't a, uh, what we call legitimate copy of Windows. What? That's right. I'm not kidding. And uh, that seemed to take a dump. What? And a lesson learned. What can I say? We don't want to skimp money there. So uh, the bottom line is this. Everything has been wiped out. Everything has been reloaded into the computer. And all the other stuff that I was kind of on the fence about didn't make it on to this new, uh, let's call it a new computer. So it seems to be running a lot faster. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, a few things here and there that I'm not aware of that I'll find out, but I was able to reload most of the sound effects. I have all of the other stuff here uh, ready to go as well. So in that regard, very excited to kind of have the clean, legitimate version of Windows on the computer, and that seems to have uh, really helped uh, with this whole thing. want to say my hi to my guy, Dave Bosco. Dave, see you right there. See seeing you right there happy to have you aboard looking forward to our conversation about 25 minutes from now uh so there you go 877 448 greg at the bbq central is the email address uh gang i've been talking to you now for over a year about my guy fred bernardo of fred's music and bbq.com uh brian what are you talking new background where have you been Fred Bernardo lives and reigns and Supremes over the uh, beautiful downtown Chillington, Pennsylvania, where he has Fred's Music and Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply Company. We're starting to merge and morph names now. Fred is a master of branding, just like he is a master of creating the sweet and tangy secret sauce. It's got that right amount of tang. Good, Good results so far in the competitions that he's been running. And the judges are digging that sweet stuff, which I'm s- still not aware of or still not sure why that is. I have a whole take on palates and all that other stuff if we can have time later on. But Fred has combined the sauce with an ingenious thing. He took that spice block from the original smoking guitar player's rub and used it in the sauce. So now you have a flavor profile that is cohesive from start to finish. You're rubbing your meat with the original smoking guitar players rub you're saucing your meat with the sweet and tangy secret sauce it's got the same spice block that the rub does that you just started with you're mixing it all together it's staying the same and it's consistency that's what's winning not only in backyards my friends it's winning at competitions weekend in and weekend out and Fred is the only place you can go and get the tasty elix styles of sauces and rubs and there's a lot of rubs out there too that are very good I love the veggie blend I'm not a vegetarian myself, but I love the veggie blend and I love the brisket rub as well. Tastylicksbbq.com is the website to get the sauce and all of the rubs. Fredsmusicandbbq.com is the website for all of the other barbecue stuff. And I always say, you want to deal with somebody that's reputable online. Fred is the definition of what I look for when I am shopping online. He's got the inventory he is secure at checkout, and he ships promptly, efficiently, and effectively. Plus, he's got the knowledge base. If you're not talking with Fred, you might be talking with Toby or one of the other uh, finely educated and trained people there at Fred's Music and Barbecue. Plus, they're like the uh, Big Green Egg Superstore. Eggheads abound there at Fred's Music and BBQ. So if you always uh, have questions about accessories, or which size egg should I buy, or how does this egg work, or how am I going to install a gasket, no better expert Then the folks over at Fred's Music and bbq.com. We're morphing names, Fred's Music and Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply. I think at some point it's actually going to go full circle and just be Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply Company. And then just Fred's Music uh, off to the side. We'll see how that goes. Fred's Music and bbq.com. TastyLicksBBQ.com are the websites. We're going to step back and get CharBQ on the line. Stand by. We are back 14 past the hour. That's right. Coming up in about 20 minutes from now, Dave Boska from Butcher Barbecue. Going to be talking about the Extreme Home Makeover and how he took part in it. Also, 10 o'clock hour, Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. We're going to be talking about barbecue sauce and regional styles and all that good stuff. But as promised, let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. And the uh, creator of a great invention, uh, Michael D from Char BQ. Michael, how are you, buddy?
3: I'm doing well, Greg. How are you? I'm
0: doing absolutely fantastic, Michael. Thank you for asking. And uh, welcome into the show, first of all. And I got to say, I saw your product, or actually, I think you might have actually emailed uh, me to take a look at it. And when I saw it, I was like, you know what? Man, it clicked with me that this was a product that even two or three weeks prior to getting to your email, I was talking with my brother-in-law about doing something specific. But before I give uh, everything away and let all the cats out of the bag, how about a little information about you, Michael, and kind of what you do on a day-to-day basis, and then we'll get a little bit more into CharbyQ.
3: Sure, not a problem. Uh, I'm a a part-time inventor. I guess I work full-time for a security company. I go out and meet clients and try to basically secure their networks and computer uh, infrastructures. So that's why I do on a full time job. My uh, my love is inventing. And one of my biggest passion has been uh, building a pig roaster and then figuring out different ways of modifying it. And that's what led to the Charbecue.
0: So what kind of a like, how were you looking to get into the, the pig roaster? Did you have a passion for like whole hog type thing or were you looking to simplify it? What were you doing with that?
3: That's funny. Um, it actually started with my father. He's from the old country. He's originally from Serbia, and so he, we moved out to Gaithersburg about seven years ago in Maryland. And He said to my friend and I, who's also an inventor, he said it would be great if we could, you know, the older times we used to kick, uh, uh, what does it call it? Uh, fire up the uh, pig or piglets or the hogs, and. That's what started it all. My friend turned to me and said, "Hey, why don't we do something?" And next thing I know, we're buying a fifty-five gallon drum, we're buying wheels, and we've got this little cart. Uh, you know, put it on the cart. We we got a rotisserie going on, so it just it just morphed into this. Uh, we do this twice a year now. We we basically do a fall festival or a, or a luau, depending upon the the weather. And during that one of those times, we just uh, like I said, we just decided that we needed to fix the problem with the charcoal.
0: All right, so we'll go ahead and get into that here in a second. Michael D. joining me here on the show. The website, by the way, charbq.com, and that's C-H-R, the letter B, the letter Q, charbq.com. Go ahead and uh, check out that out while we're talking with Michael. So you're t- we're talking about uh, charcoal, obviously. You saw a problem with it, and I'm going to tell you how I first envisioned it when you sent it to me. But since you're the guy that created it, what did you see? What was your problem with charcoal and gas grills, and how were you going to meld the two together?
3: My problem was I, I own the gas grill. Don't get me wrong. I, I've owned the gas grill. The, my, the fondest memories I had is I, I lived. I was from New York, so Sunken Meadow Park. My parents used to go there, and you know, memories I had of charcoal was charcoal cooking back in Sunken Meadow. That you know, I, I don't. Know, I'm a little old here. I guess 40 years ago, 30 years ago, the popular way to go is charcoal. And so I moved out. I got a house of my own, and I've been doing gas. And how I married the two was actually just purely by coincidence. It was, it was a point of need. Uh, the 55-gallon drum tank holds a lot of charcoal and by the next morning, taking that and dumping it over is quite a challenge. And so my friend and I said, there's got to be an easier way. Next thing we did is we invented the, basically the tray and then that morphed into, hey, why am I just limiting it for the 55-gallon drum tank? Why don't I take this baby and put it into my existing gas grill and actually now cook with the flavors that we enjoy at The Pig twice a year? So now I got it year round, anytime I want it, and that's how it all fell apart, or if it came together. I should say.
0: <laughs> how long ago was that, Michael?
3: That was two years ago. It took us two years to find uh, manufacturing. We 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 spent a lot of time designing it. That was one of our biggest, you know, the fun part. We would come by every every night. My friend and I would get together and we'd just try to figure out what's the best way to make this as flexible. You know, we didn't on the market. You've got one size. My problem is that my grill is different from his grill. and My next door neighbor has a different size grill. Right. So how do you make one unit fit any size grill? And then at the same time, we do not want to be saying, oh, okay, you gotta buy three units or four units or you gotta spec it out. That was a challenge. And then uh, once we got that done, you know, I gotta tell you that that many people see it. And you know, like you said, you know, it sounds like a great venture, sounds cool, but the minute we pull, we do the little, as I call it, the little magic you know, pull it out and pull it, uh, vertical and horizontal. I get the wow face. And I tell you, just selling is the best thing, you know, watching people's face go light up saying, Oh my God, that's so cool. That, that, that's what kills it. You know, that, that really hits the heart for me. All
0: right, Michael. So let me ask you this for the people that uh, haven't gone over to the website to take a look at it. If you can paint kind of a verbal picture of what it does and what it's supposed to do as far as, you know, the specifications and how you're going to fit it to your particular cooker.
3: Sure. Oh, it's it's easy if you if you picture it as a box. It's actually it's a it's a cross between a box and an origami concept. So it's made up of four uh, four corners, and it, it actually expands from, let's see, I think it's 19 to 27 inches, and so it goes it goes out both vertically and horizontally, it, and all those corners expand, and then you use bolts to lock it down, and we've got the handles. So this way, it gives you the ability to go from any size pretty much any size grill. Now, of course, since we've had this out in the market, we've realized there's a couple of incompatib- incompatibilities. Uh, someone wanted it for a portable. It doesn't fit. You know, I've got some unique situations, but for the most part so far, people have been coming back saying, this is just fantastic. It's been fitting. You know, Some people bought it two units because they got a big grill and they've actually converted a broken gas grill into a, a permanent charcoal grill. And The thing they love about it is the handles. It, it basically the, you, know, you take it, you pull it out, you dump it, and you're ready to go. So the, the best way to think about it is an adjustable box, and it adjusts both length and width. And it is, that is what makes – that's the key to the Charbecue. It's that adjustability.
0: Michael D., inventor of Charbecue, the website again. BQ. that's uh, the word char and then the letter B, letter Q com if you want to go check it out so let me kind of uh, revert back to what i was getting at first i was talking with my brother-in-law two three weeks before he shot me that email to tell me to go take a look at what you had going on over there michael and he has a charm glow gas grill it's probably four or five years old i think i actually counseled him in uh, buying that particular unit uh, when we were talking about what he was looking to do and how often he was going to use it blah 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 Long story short, the inners are starting to rust out. Uh, The heat deflector shields were pretty much trashed. And his ability to go back to Home Depot and find any type of quality replacement parts that were either from OEM or some type of an aftermarket place were almost nothing. So inevitably, the conversation leads to... Well, what if we tried to retrofit this bad boy into some type of a charcoal grill? And I said, Well, of course, I would have no idea how to do that other than like taking a, a sawzall and cutting out everything in the box and then trying to figure out to put some pan in here. Lo and behold, here comes an email from CharBQ, and I'm like, You have to be kidding me. Look at the, and it. And would, it would adjust almost full length to his grill. The thing that I liked best about it is the fact that you could actually do a true indirect, you could fit it to half size of the grill so you would have your heat source on the right side, let's say, but then you could put stuff over on the left that was all indirect heat. And I think when we were talking initially, Michael, this wasn't even the concept that you had for the people, and there has to be dozens of us that are the barbecue and grilling enthusiasts that have at least one or 20 old gas <laughs> grills that are littering the backyard that we could actually make use of with the charbecue.
3: You are right, Greg. You you brought it out. The, the, you were the second person, I guess, that really bring it out to us. There was a guy at the uh, Safeway barbecue battle, uh, and he he brought it to our attention. He bought two units, and that is exactly what he said. And he sent me an email, and that's that's what he did. He, he did what you described. He had a broken down. He's been using a, a very big old unit and cleaning it out. He said it was always a, a hassle. And when he saw me demonstrate it, he goes, That's great. The handles are removable. And then at the end of the night, you go in, you grab it, and you dump it. And he goes, That's exactly what I've been looking for. And I I didn't think nothing of it until you pointed it out to me. And again, it's one of those, maybe it was short-sightedness, because for me it was all about the grilling, as you've pointed out. You know, I like the hot and cold, and and that's how I envision it. As a matter of fact, this weekend I'm gonna be grilling uh, my favorite, my favorite item, which is usually the filet. And my my little boy loves that. And that's how I envisioned it. And you helped bring it to the next level for me. So thank you very much.
0: Yeah, certainly my pleasure. We're talking with Michael D. from CharBQ, website char, and the letter B, letter Q.com. Michael, so let's get into the business aspect of this. When you come up with the concept and now you're looking at material, obviously doing business in the USA is very expensive, uh, just like 90% of everything else. It's a made-off site. So uh, obviously you were probably sourcing from other countries. I I know you said you were part-time inventor. To me, the minute you start looking outside like another, it seems very complicated to me. So how are you able to source out material, make it price competitive? And how many iterations did you have to go through before you actually felt comfortable bringing it to market?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Um, so it, it took two years. It literally took us about two years to go through different iterations, height and size. It was all about adjustability. I went to Lowe's so many times and the local Home Depot just to, just to physically do things. The my the saddest moment for me was when I couldn't get it manufactured in the U.S. and trust me, it wasn't lack of trying. It I've called around in California, went to the midwestern states. It was all about phone calls. I couldn't get what I've got now done in the United States, and that's the saddest thing. I you know I tell you I'm so proud of to be an American that couldn't get it done. I had to outsource it to the uh, to China, as a matter of fact. And there, I I think I outsourced I looked at three different you know manufacturers. It was all done via the uh, via the web and um, phone calls. I never visited. I rolled, you know, took a big chance. I don't, I don't have a lot of money to go out there. You know, a lot of inventors go out there and they meet them. I was just rolling the dice and we rolled the dice with the manufacturer. They came back. It was down to two of them. One of them had a little bit better quality and that was it. I rolled the dice. We gathered some cash together and placed an order. And trust me, it was the scariest thing. Um, Placing an order that I, you know, I had a couple samples, but you never know.
0: Michael D. Joining us here on the show. All right, so when you laid out the cash, you got the first order in. What was the initial impressions as you brought it out to market? Was it less than you expected? Was it right about where you thought it was be, or did it exceed expectation?
3: It brought the biggest smile to our face. Uh, I I cannot tell you how how happy I was, especially at the. So the barbecue show was the biggest show for us because that was our basically coming out party. And everyone was amazed. And as a matter of fact, Myron Mixon was there and he loved it. I, of course, I tried to get him over, take a look at it. And he smiled and he said, it was good. And like everybody else, you know, I figured, okay, maybe he liked, maybe he didn't. But he came back. He came back to show his partner and he came back and someone bought one. Hmm. And that was the greatest testament that someone else liked it, you know, from a barbecue enthusiast. And one of the things he said to me was, now I know I have an answer to the question, what do I, how can I turn my gas barbecue into a charcoal barbecue? He goes, now I have an answer.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: And that was a great you know, comeback to him, and I loved it. And I, I never will forget the meeting. I've got pictures, and um, so far it's been exceeding my expectation.
0: All right, so we're looking at one type of a unit to fit all the other types of grills that are out there, so go ahead and give us a price point for those prospective buyers tonight.
3: Sure. It it's actually it's a straight straight price point. It's uh twenty nine ninety-five and then it's uh, plus shipping and handling, which is twelve ninety-nine flat rate. And that goes either East Coast or West Coast. Europe is a different ball game.
0: All right. Now, what type of material are we looking at? What kind of a life expectancy uh, can we potentially expect with this product?
3: Sure, it's it's made out of stainless steel. So um, my best guess, I think we have it as a two-year warranty. Um, you know i 've had one return, and the the guy basically returned it saying that he thought it was for uh, he, he expected to, to, to like, leverage gas uh, on the unit so the way the charbecue works is that you take the charbecue the the pan if you will, mm-hmm. and you place it inside your existing gas grill on top of your on top of your burners now, my insurance company says you cannot light the gas burners and have that steel plate the barbecue there right so i've got to tell you that's what we warn and i say that in our um in our manual he was on the impression they could use the gas grills and i said to him look i've got to tell you that i don't do it that way i, I do that you know my insurance tells me not to do it that way and when he said when he saw that he goes i just want my money back and i said no problem i have no problem returning someone's money if they're not happy uh the, it's a stainless steel unit, so it should, you know, my original one, they're all been stainless steel units. it has been lasting for two years. I've gone through, this is the fourth iteration of this design. Again, we have to change the holdings and structures, of, you know. So it should last for a couple of good years. Um, there is, like any stainless steel, it does start to, like, bend or warp a little bit. But we're not talking that's going to stop the functionality of it. It will continue to work as it should.
0: Michael D. joining us here on the show. I mean, obviously, you're an inventor. You are sizing it down from the pig portion uh, to consumer gas grills to make it a charcoal grill. Is there something in between that you are currently conceptualizing to, to capture more of a market with the barbecue and grilling folks?
3: No, not for – the charbecue is – I've got to tell you, I, I keep racking my brains around the charbecue And just last night, my partner John and I were together and we were, we were thinking of some different items and concepts. And you know, this, is, this has really brought into – I've got, I met two other – I didn't meet via email and phone calls. We met two other inventors. One is from Canada and one is actually in the Midwest over here. And they've also got some of these unique barbecue products. Uh, concepts and I, and I love everything i am you know i like to retrofit and one of the ideas we came up with yesterday doesn't do a retrofit so it's just not you know cost effective to actually do the projects uh, i don't know what else i, I look around I, I try to make things better at least from a barbecue point of view right now i'm, I'm just enjoying the barbecue and i'm enjoying all the little extras i've been buying for it
0: Right, so one of the other questions that I had when I initially saw it, uh, and I've used it a couple times, and it has actually worked out uh, exceeding, well, it exceeded my expectations because here's what I thought initially, and I would have to imagine, and I'm not anywhere near uh, the, uh, the expertise as some of the other folks uh, that I deal with on a regular basis or some of the folks that are here on my instant chat room on OutdoorCookingChannel.com, uh, but I figured, okay, so you get it fired up, you put the charcoal in there, and then when you shut the top of that gas grill – I start thinking, okay, well, the gas grill is now a charcoal grill, so I look over at my Weber kettle, and it's got the dome, and then it's got an exhaust uh, vent on the top, so you kind of create that draft. And my initial concern was... Is it going to stifle? Is it not going to keep true grilling temperatures? Especially, I mean, obviously, you can regulate the temperature if you don't want it to go that hot because you're just not going to use as much fuel to make heat. However, if you want to get it hot, you're going to be using more fuel. It's going to be lit more. And when you put that top down, what was going to happen? That was my biggest concern. And I have to say, I was more than pleasantly surprised that the holing that was already in there, whether it be for rotisserie rods or whatever uh, accessories the manufacturer had originally put in there or cut in there to add on during your ownership of that particular grill seem to be plenty enough i mean can you control it up down to like the five six seven eight <laughs> nine ten degree range of course not but we're grilling here and i have to say if that is anybody's concern that it shouldn't be leading you down the not buying path at all have you gotten similar remarks from other consumers
3: it's funny i've had a lot of the enthusiasts actually brought that same thing up to me and i have again i'm i'm An enthusiast. I've only started to grill. Like I said, for seven years I've been doing the pig, but but that's you know on the rotisserie, if you will, or 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 on the in the drum. This was something new to me, and every time someone brought that up, I I just sat saying I didn't have an issue because I didn't know any better. You know, I I didn't realize that you can do all these items that you and other people have said to me. But in the end, everyone's come back saying exactly the same thing. It's this pleasant surprise. It's perfect for what they want to do right now. And, and to be honest with you, what I started to actually my friend and I, my partner John introduced me to something. What he was doing is he would really load his up with too much charcoal. And what he would do is the only way for him to regulate that is to slowly open up the, the lid and basically let some of the heat out. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and said, well, that's not a bad idea. And so what I started to do is I actually um, – as you pointed out, different barbecues have um, accessory holes and so on so what i 've been doing is putting basically my cleaning unit right in that grating hole to open it up if it, if I felt it was too hot and that has worked out fantastic for me i i 've been very happy with the with the meat that 's been coming out i've got i 've turned my whole family into uh, Charcoal enthusiasts, if you will, because there's nothing like the taste of charcoal. Or even for that matter, I've even smoked on the barbecue, and you can ba- tell the difference. You, you can't go from a fillet from a charcoal or a, or um, a smoked unit, and then when I go to a restaurant and order that same fillet, it just loses the taste. And and I've actually come back from vacation from Bahamas, and I I've never gone. Uh, I, I, I rarely go a week without having a steak or a filet, and I had nothing there because I knew it would not live up to my expectation of taste. And that's the saddest part for me is I've, I've educate, elevated my taste buds to that effect.
0: There you go. He is uh, one of the creators of the Charbecue. He is Michael D. joining us here on the show. Again, the website char, the word char, and then the letter B, letter Q, dot com. Michael, I appreciate you coming on tonight, talking to us about this really great invention and the continued success with it.
3: Thank you very much, Greg. Thank you. All right,
0: take care. There he is, Michael D. barbecue. Look, I. Th- it sounds when you see. I mean, <laughs> take the YouTube videos with a grain of salt. Little over the top. Okay, that's the same guy that's in one of those. Uh, but it's a great unit, and it's. What can I say? I mean, it's very exciting to have a lot of a, come clean Centralites. Come clean. How many what? of you? I, I said come clean. How many of you have the old boat anchors out there in the yard somewhere? I know you do. And you've just been sitting and not been doing anything except collecting water and mosquitoes. And now you have the ability to put it in as a potential another cooking unit in your arsenal. And it's, I'm telling you, it is fabulous to set up for indirect cooking. The website again charbecue.com, that's char c h a r the letter b the letter q, charbecue.com and that was Michael D, he is the uh, co-creator of this unit. Yeah, great uh, great gift idea as well, charbecue. Pick one up for yourself, pick one up for others. I mean, it's like 30 bucks. It's nothing. Great accessory. Folks, quick reminder about a long, longest sponsor of the show. Bob Trudnack, Shotgun Fred, and all the other guys and gals over at the Barbecue Guru. They are the makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. They have four to choose from. Okay, four. That's right. If you want to be able to control your pit temperature from 600 feet away, the ProCom 4 wireless unit is for you. If you want to have readouts and incredible amounts of geekdom because you're a nerd... And you want to be able to control your pit temperature control device from your laptop computer for your PC. That's fine. We have the uh Pro or we have the DigiQ2. It's fabulous. You can control multiple pits and multiple fans. If you just want like a cruise control for your pit, they have the uh what is it called now? The NanoQ, I believe. It used to be the Pit Minder. They have it for your needs and your budget. More importantly, they can outfit it to your particular cooker. So that way, if you're working professional like me, you can throw a brisket or a pork butt on right before you go to work and just set and forget. It It will not shoot over temperature. It will go into ramp mode and just put it in a nice safety zone of holding temperature so you can enjoy succulent pork or succulent brisket when you get home from your hard day's work. And don't forget, they also carry some really great lime products like Wicked Good Charcoal. Maybe you've heard of a Blues Hog barbecue or barbecue sauce. They have Blue uh, Head Country as well, slabs and Dizzy Pig rubs. Really, kind of a one-stop shop. And don't forget, folks. Aside from these great automatic temperature control devices. They have that Onyx oven that they use in competitions, and they win at competitions with these. They're becoming very popular, very fuel-efficient, obviously very adaptable to the uh, Barbecue Guru pit temperature control devices. And They're lightweight, very fuel-efficient, very accurate. And you can find them all at TheBBQGuru.com or just BBQGuru.com. You can also call them toll-free at 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. Guru, it's the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru. All right, thanks again to Michael D from Charbecue for joining us, talking about that great invention. If you haven't gone over and checked it out, I I really recommend it. I think you will find value in it. Char C H A R, the letter B, the letter Q, Charbecue is the website. And pick one up; it's thirty bucks. You can't beat it. We're going to be uh, joining Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue here in just a few seconds. And at 10 o'clock or the 10 o'clock hour, it's a Meathead Goldwyn joining us to talk about barbecue sauces and their regional styles. Don't forget to check out Barbecue Guru, TheBBQGuru.com or 800-288-GURU. It's a good folks over at The Barbecue Guru. Stick around. Chasing Dave Bosco from
5: Butcher Barbecue right now. I know he was having uh... Dave? Yes. Hey, how are you? Dave Bosco.
0: Did uh, Skype uh, jump off for you or were we still good there? No, we're good. Oh, uh, how come I don't see you on my thing? I couldn't tell you. I'm sitting here on Skype. Do you see my name on the Skype contact list? I love when we do technical stuff here on the show. People love it. Hard to tell. All right. Well, forget about it. We got you on the telephone now, and that's all that's uh, that's important. Uh, Dave Boskin joining us here from Butcher Barbecue, talking about something that I found to be very unique. I saw a post from Mike Davis of Lottable Barbecue. And... Uh Uh-oh. Oh, damn it. I'm a little loud here. Hold on one second, Dave. I apologize. Uh... I'm too loud here. Here we go. Here we go. Sorry about that. All right. That should be better, everybody. I apologize about that. Uh, So we had a... uh, I saw a post by Mike Davis from Laudable Barbecue saying something about uh extreme home makeover and there was going to be some type of barbecue competition going on with that and you happen to be in the fold with that as well so i figured want to have you on after it was kind of all said and done and see exactly how this all came about how you were mixed into the show and what the whole concept was so uh, dave i open the floor to you
5: well what happened is um kcbs contacted the top six teams in the nation and at, on their team of the year race and ask if we would come up to Kansas city, which we didn't even know at the time where we were going. Um, we just knew when, and they said that they wanted to do a ABC extreme home makeover cookoff showdown slash barbecue, and then sell tickets and raise money for the family that they were going to rebuild a house for that week. And instantly, I think, All but one couldn't make it just due to driving and stuff. And then within 48 hours, they had already sold so many tickets that they invited the next two people in. So they ended up going to the top nine instead of the top eight because one couldn't make it. So we had eight championship cookers coming in. Um, All we knew was we were going to be within an hour's drive of Kansas City. Um, We all were all for it. Um, Rob McGee with Munchin' Hawks at the Hilton, they asked him if he would take the head of getting the bulk of the food cooked. Um, we, all, we all were going to cook ribs and chicken for a competition. And the uh, producers, the stars of the show, we knew of eight or nine different folks, was going to judge the product from each individual cook. Um, and then we were going to cook uh, pork, chicken baked beans, um, stuff like that for the masses, for the for the folks uh, to buy tickets. Well, we all show up. We all get there. Everything's going good. We go out and eat the Wednesday night before we um, get started. Wednesday, some of us go out to, we're building the um, house for these folks, and we get to see that. And, and if you're ever in an area where that's being done, I recommend going out and watching. It is an orchid, not orchid. orchid. Or can, I can't even talk. It is organized to the hilt. It, it is it's amazing at how it flows. Uh, every person knows their job. The, the public is herded in and herded out like cattle. Um, then some of the other guys and cows, they stayed in the uh, camp area, and they um, got some meat ready, pre- started prepping the the pork butts. We all went back. Um, some rotated and went back, and others stayed. We ended up up cooking um, 17 cases of pork nuts, I believe it was. They had pre-sold 2,000 tickets for this at $10 a head. The goal was to raise $50,000 for the family. Well, Thursday morning, we catch word um, that they had already sold 2,800 tickets, so we started uh, sourcing out, trying to find more items to cook, and we found several, several cases of bonus pork loins. Um, so we went and picked up them and cooked. I don't, I don't really remember how many extra pork loins we cooked, but they ended up all said and done, we they they sold three thousand four hundred tickets, is what they sold. Wow. That was, yeah, it was huge. And it was, it's hard to grasp and wrap your head around that many people coming to a city park all at one time, just for barbecue and just for this family. That's, that's what you have to keep in mind. We all went up there to do a job. We didn't go up there to, to, to boast about ourselves or to, or to shoot about barbecue. We went up there to, to cook barbecue for this family, to raise money for them. And it went very, very well. We had um, uh, Fast Eddie loaned us an FEC five hundred. Um, Kelly Words brought his big seven fifty cooker, and I'm going to be kind of kind of bad here. I do not remember the gentleman's name, but there was a local guy that brought out a barrel pit, and had that out there and we was using that to cook out of too and I, I apologize for not remembering his name but he was out there he's not a competitor or anything he just does catering and he wanted to help out and that was his way of donating he he allowed us to use his cooker Dave Bosque.
0: um joining us here on the show talking about his time on uh cream home makeover where they kind of uh, use top eight barbecue competition cooking teams in the country to help out the family in need. Dave, were there, did you get any insight as to, you know, what kind of struggles the family was going through or anything that you could relay to us in that regard? I know
5: what we know of the family is a gentleman um, had post or the the disorder from the bombs and everything from overseas. He I don't know if he was actually disabled or not, um, but he lived out by a rock quarry um, there in town, north of town. And what the what ABC ended up doing was getting a plot of land on the other side of town, and then completely built him a whole new house right there. Uh, that was that was just large. They moved him away from where he was having problems. It's not just they tore down a house. They gave him property. That's, that's huge. That, and when you see the house, folks, it's amazing. I don't know how they can pour concrete and get started and, and get it erected, that fast, that quick, and it looks as beautiful as it does. It's it's quite amazing. It really is.
0: Does it look like it belongs in the same area as the other houses on the street or does it really stick out like a thumb?
5: This is a pretty new community where they bought the property or property was donated. I'm not sure how that went. But it's a newer housing addition completely. So that the the house it, it is it, it belongs where it's at. Yeah. It's not a new $500,000 house on a 100-year-old block of houses. No, it's, it's in a brand-new area.
0: All right, so what did the other teams think about taking part in this? I mean, obviously, you're very good friends with the majority of the people that you were out there taking part with, but as you were kind of recounting stories of you know how those days went, what were some of the takebacks that you had from some of the other teams and conversations that you had?
5: Oh, everybody was thrilled to death to be there. We all... In competition, we all strive to to be good, and we want to beat the the other guy right beside us, but still shake their hand when it's all said and done. And yeah, we were all there to cook for that, but don't don't kid yourself. We wanted to win that ribbon chicken cook-off, so Yeah. All
0: right. That, so, well, who wins? About tell ourselves. us. Tell us who wins, Dave.
5: All right. Let me just go through this. Let me tell you how it played out. If you got just a little bit here, I do. Yep. Um, <laughs> They tell us originally, we're going to turn chicken in at 6.30 in the afternoon, and we've only got 15 minutes, and we got to turn the ribs in at 6.45. There's not the standard KCBS window, 5 before, 5 after. It has to be in by 6.30 because of filming. They're going to take the boxes straight over to a table with nine judges. So we had... 10 by 10 boxes at Rod Gray supplied for us instead of the standard nine by nine. So we could get extra meat in the boxes anyway, at six fifteen, 15, they come running back through and says, Oh, hold on folks. We're going to delay it 15 minutes. <laughs> and we're all like, dude, what? Okay. They all told us to be prepared for anything. Cause this is TV mm-hmm. anyway. Okay. So we're waiting, we're waiting and, we all get chicken in the box where we're about to close the lid and they come back through and they says, Oh, Oh, wait a minute, 10 more minutes. <laughs> and we're like, y'all are killing us. But then we, uh, I ask, I says, what is the holdup? And they said, it is so crowded. There's so many people trying to get into this park. The producers and the stars of the shows can't get through because of the traffic. Uh oh. We were like, what a great feeling that, 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 that's, We met our goal. That's what I kept thinking. It was like, wow, that is awesome. If they can't get those folks in here, there's that many folks trying to come in to support this family. I thought, that's just neat. That's cool. I I thought that was really a great problem to have. So how, how did it work out? Go ahead. So far... We've been delayed twice. We right. go back in, and we're like, okay, chicken's done. My gosh, it's been more than done. Ribs have been way done for a long time. We put the chicken in the box, and we all run it up there just like a regular cook-off, except for we got 3,500 people to fight for it. <laughs> <laughs> we lay the chicken down. We go back. We know we got 15 minutes before we got to get ribs in. So we all go back, and, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, do I cut ribs? Do I get them ready? Or do I wait to see if they're delayed again? No, they're not going to delay us. So we get our ribs ready. We get ready to put them in the box. And they come back and says, wait a minute, y'all. Give us 10 minutes. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yep, no problem. The ribs have already been, been off the grill for a long time, the smokers. <laughs> so we, we go ahead, put them in a box. We sit and wait. Okay. Well, we run it all up there. The chicken's still sitting on the same table. And we're like, what's going on? They said, they can't, they haven't got here yet. So we just turned in ribs and chicken and the judges aren't even on site yet.
2: (laughs) Wow.
5: We turn around and Rob is going, guys, we need some help. Um, The folks that was over cutting the the meat up said they cannot stay up. So we all run back to our trailers, our campers, our RVs, um, clean up what little mess we have at Every cooker out there took their leftover competition stuff, went to the lines and just started handing it out. Here, take this. Y'all want to eat this while you're standing in line? Take And we all did that. And then as soon as all that was done, we all ran over to the tent where everybody was chopping and cutting and slicing. And we laid up extra tables. We all got busy. We got started. And it was probably 20, 30 minutes. All of a sudden, they says, whoa, hold on, folks. We're five pans up now. We don't need anything else extra. Well, we ended up serving 3,600 plates in about an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. And they served an extra 400 plates after that to volunteers that were out at the house.
0: That's an ex- that's an extraordinary amount of food for that time.
5: It was large. They set up 10 <laughs> buffet lines. We served off of 10 buffet lines. There was a lot of people that did a lot of work, and I know lots and lots of volunteers came out. and The appreciation is huge um, from us, from KCBS, from uh, the family. I know it is. They they ended up. This is unofficial, but Carolyn Wells told me this weekend that. KCBS didn't handle the money, but they were told that they ended up raising, netting out $34,000 oh. in that time frame. Absolutely to to fantastic.
0: That's uh, that's a huge amount of money for uh, for that short of time frame. So, uh, I mean, it just sounds like it was uh, an out-and-out out success for everybody that took part in that thing.
5: There was. Now, we're all sitting under this tent slicing, chopping, all that. And Rod Gray come up with this great idea. He said, hey, everybody, let's put in $5 in the pot. And it's not that the winner takes it, but the loser gets it. <laughs> and we're like, you know, someone's going to have gas money because we're not there for the, for any money anyway. Right? We don't. This is the one time. I don't know if you want to say you don't want to hear your name called or you want to take $40 <laughs> home. I don't know. But. We all go up to the stage. We have a little paparazzi thing with some um, pictures and with the stars after they get everything judged up. We go up on stage. Um, they're announcing the winners, and um, the winner is Munchin' Hawks at the Hilton. Wow. Yeah,
0: Robert. He's having a great year, that guy.
5: Yeah, when the man's on fire, just back up and let him have it. That's right. He is. He's rolling. He's rolling big. Yep. So, yeah, Rob won it.
0: So he wins. Now who 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 got to take home the prize though?
5: Man, that's we we can say, but it's not because of they didn't cook good, okay? <laughs> it was swine assassins ended up getting forty dollars.
0: Oh, oh man. Those well, are my guys.
5: They, well, you know, you can say they, they lost that, but thirty six hours later, fifteen miles up the road, they won a contest the very next day. See, there you go. So I'm telling you, they are—they're they're deadly at what they do. Don't think that they lost. No, they're not. Them folks kick some butt the next day.
0: Yeah, I guess if you look at it the right way, they won forty bucks and they turn around and they won more money the next day.
5: That's right. So, see, maybe they, they knew what they were doing. They, they want our money and their money.
0: That's right. Something, uh, something that they know that maybe everybody else didn't. We're talking with Dave Bosco from Butcher Barbecue recounting uh, the Extreme Home Makeover Show, and uh, they took part in that along with seven other teams from uh, KCBS. Dave, do you know when it's going to be airing so we can keep an eye out for it?
5: All we know at this point is it's going to be in October. Um, I'm sure there'll be a big blast out on all the barbecue forums when it does come out, but we do not know exactly when.
0: All right, so we'll keep an eye out for it. Uh, maybe when it gets closer to time, we'll have you back on again to kind of chirp it up a little bit. Uh, but I certainly appreciate you making time out tonight to talk about it. And I'm sure we all appreciate you as well as the other teams taking part and helping out a family in need. And we'll talk to you again soon, Dave. I appreciate it.
5: Hey, thank you, Greg. Appreciate you. All right,
0: take care. There he is, Dave yeah. Bosco. You know who he is. He's a pit matcher of ButcherBBQ.com, in case you didn't know that. We'll be talking about Dave here in about a half an hour from now. So, uh, October, that should be it. All right, uh, gang, before we uh, wrap the first hour up here in just a few minutes, i got to tell you about my guy, the premier jeweler to the stars. And by stars, I mean barbecue stars like your indubious host. Look, gang, how many times have you thought to yourself that I don't know a guy in the jewelry business, so I can't afford that premium watch or get my wife or girlfriend a set of earrings or buy a great anniversary band or engagement perhaps some of you younger guys looking to hitch up for the rest of your life to a fine female or if it could be same sex whatever and you want to get a ring but you're like damn it I don't I, I don't know anybody guess what guess what we know that guy now Steven DeFranco from Steven DeFranco Jewelers you can go to stevendefranco.com And take advantage of all the savings. Right now, there's a special going on. You've heard me talk about it for the last number of weeks. You get 30% off an Accutron line made by Bolova. You figure out the watch that you want, then you call in to the store. You talk to Steve or you talk to one of the uh, fine ladies or gentlemen that are helping you there on the phone. When you place your order, you get your 30% off. When you mention my name or Steve's name and then the term barbecue brother, you're getting an additional $50 off. When was the last time you could mention my name anywhere and get anything off of anything? Never. It might never happen again. But it does happen when you call Stephen DeFranco on your new Accutron line of uh, from Bolivar, the watch. okay? You get $50 off. It ships to you for free. If you want a gift wrap for somebody, free. If you want it polished for somebody or engraved, it's all done free. If you live in Greater Cleveland, they'll come and set the time for you, for crying out loud. It doesn't get any better than that. It's stevendefranco.com. You can go to the Barbecue Central Radio Network homepage. Scroll down, find the banner, and just click in directly from there. All the contact information is there on that prime landing page. And if you don't think Steve is a barbecue guy, he is. Two weeks ago, he was out working on his hot rod. He had some uh, baby backs on the smoker he was listening to six hours of the barbecue central radio show while he was restoring this car he had barbecue smells around he had uh, hot rod parts where he was fondling the hot rod it was a beautiful thing the only improvement he said could have been uh, out of those two days of nirvana would have been a bevy of scantily clad nymphs mopping his brow and fetching the bottles of powerade that he was drinking every hour but he is a fan of the show and he's a barbecue guy and you got to take advantage of that special savings. 30% off. You get $50 off when you mention my name on any Bolova Accutron watch. StephenDefranco.com. Find the banner on the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage. Click over. View them, buy them, and save now. StephenDefranco.com is the website. Take advantage of that savings. We're going to wrap up right after this. 877 433 Stick around.
2: the smoke call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, greg Rappy.
0: All right, welcome back. We are going to be wrapping up here very quickly as we uh, head into our second hour. I want to thank my guests for this first hour of the show as we kind of get our wheels back underneath us and get acclimated uh, to doing the live show again. Uh, we talked with Michael D from Charbecue. You would recall that website is Char, C-H-A-R, and then the letter B and then the letter Q.com. com is the website. And this is a unit that is going to retrofit into your gas grill that has uh, perhaps, taken a lot of uh, boat space it's just kind of the or it's not boat space but it's the boat anchor if you will and uh, now you have the opportunity of turning it into another cooking item in your backyard doesn't get any better than that instead of leaving it out on the tree lawn for somebody to take overnight like i'm hoping somebody's going to do with my couch tonight what? <laughs> i said i've put my couch out on the tree lawn if you live around here and you want a couch just come and fetch it if it's still there but now you don't have to wheel it out to the tree lawn for the trash guy to take anymore. You can buy the $34 whatever, the charbecue, thirty thirty $30 and then the $13 of shipping or whatever it is. And now you can have another cooker. What's my first piece of advice to people that are buying cookers? Have multiple devices to fit multiple different needs or to cook for a lot or cook for a little or cook different ways. Great to have multiple cookers. So you got to do that. Also, thanks to Dave Bosker from Butcher Barbecue talking about extreme home makeover and all the fun that he had there. Swine Assassins uh, losing slash winning 40 bucks and turning around and winning again. And we're going to be looking at about an October, September time frame release. So we'll keep in touch with uh, Dave on that and uh, we'll see what's happening. Coming up in about 10 minutes from now, we're going to be joined by Meathead. You know him. You love him. It's Meathead. And uh, we'll see what he has going on as we talk about the uh, sauces and all this other uh, regional stuff that he always likes to talk about. So stick around for that. And then your phone calls and emails if you want to. 877-448-0433. Greg at the Here's a uh, deck chef, and then we'll come back with more show. Stick around
4: looking for a new twist on a great recipe? Are you looking for something else to do at the grill or to impress your friends when you're tailgating? Or you just want a fantastic recipe in the kitchen? Here's some good ideas that are quick and easy that's going to add a little bit of culinary flavor to everyday dishes. I'm Kent Whitaker and join me after these messages. Hey everyone, cookbook author and award-winning barbecue guru and homestyle chef, Kent Whitaker here. You know, one thing I've learned over the years is that homestyle cooking can't be beat. So if you need a great cookbook that's easy to follow and is similar to having a great conversation on the front porch with family and friends, then pick up one of my books at your favorite bookstore. Sheila Simmons and I are crossing the country in search of great recipes, from Texas to Georgia, from Tennessee to Alaska. So just ask for one of my cookbooks at your favorite bookstore. Or visit me online at thedeckchef.com. I'm Kent Whitaker, The Deck Chef. I'll see you at the dinner table table. Now, here's something you have to be aware of if you're dealing with a recalled food product. In a lot of my tips, I say take it back to the store for a refund or replacement. Well, that's that's part of it. You can do that, but there are some other things that you need to be aware of, and these tips come from a great website called BeFoodSafe.org. BeFoodSafe.org. Check it out. They say this, don't eat the product, don't let others eat the product, and don't even let your pets eat the product, because they can get just as sick as you can. And what you want to do, they say, is take it back for your, where you purchased it for your refund or your return. And this is something I never really thought about or I don't think I passed this information on. Clean up around the area where you had the recalled item. Say you had a recalled meat product. That could have left drippings in the refrigerator, on the counter, or something like that. So you want to make sure that you clean any contaminated area or other products that may have been in contact with that food and wash your hands. So good information there, befoodsafe.org and good information on thedeckchef.com. Check it out for from some recipes, heart, tips, and more my information. My Until next time, I'm the Deck Chef.
0: Happy to have you aboard here for the Really Big Barbecue Show. We're, we're, we're.
4: We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. We're fine, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs>
5: You have a great show. of a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the
1: charbono, dude.
5: Succulent
1: fish. What?
4: He ate 50 for wiener. <laughs> oh, listen, Lavernius, Shake a face. I'm shaking like a dog shipped peach seeds.
0: <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills.
3: I just like
1: being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Sounds like a whole other the movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, really. <laughs> keep it hot. Keep it clean. Keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now.
2: Ooh. Hmm. top men.
0: And just like that, we're into the second hour. Oh, for crying. Here we go top men are abound here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Don. Already did that. Thank you. Thank you, Matty. Don G on top of it. I got to uh, got to give you props. I thought for sure we'd have a couple weeks off. And without a doubt, there would be some type of craziness that would ensue. And inevitably, the uh, Bumper music would run out, and uh, lust for life would come back up. But I believe I have given myself. How does it sink to now? I've done nothing. I believe that my uh, new uh, basically what ha- here, so here's what's happened. Obviously, uh, you know, I had the huge issue with the computer, and we were down for a couple of weeks. And uh, Huck attempted to fill in last week and failed miserably, of course, which is what he does and then I was able to get the computer back, started restoring everything. Well, the problem is I made a conscience effort, conscience, I made a conscience effort, not unconscious, to not load all of the crap back on, and by crap, I mean porno. What? I'm just kidding. Uh, But perhaps I should say that, you know, I didn't have a lot of uh, legitimate programs on there, and perhaps that is what... Led to the operating system getting a virus, blah blah blah, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I didn't put everything back on. I did have Carbonite, so I was able to restore some things. But I have the the uh, show broken down into segments because you know that first hour I always try and meet the clock and pretend like it's a real radio show. Second hour, obviously we we lax off and it becomes a kind of a long format type thing. But the first hour, always try and meet a time clock just in case the phone ever rings and it's such-and-such such production house or such-and-such such syndication house and they want to put me across the country on regular terrestrial radio. I have the ability to know how to work a, uh, an interview segment to, to match times and clocks and, and meet these time frames that all of these other big shots are able to do. And uh, I'm not. Able to uh, do that when there's no internet, so I had to go through and pare down and, and reformat all of the show segments, and I think that perhaps I have done it an even better job adding more time into the initial or, or the main interview segments during that first hour. I don't know, probably nobody ran their stop clock during the interview with Michael from Charbecue. But I was actually able to extrapolate out a whole nother 68 seconds of Segment 2 time. 68 seconds. Are you kidding me? Where am I squeezing minutes out of? I have no idea, but I did. And I was able to squeeze another, what, two minutes? Segment 3 with Dave Bosca. He was like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do all this other stuff. Well, fine. Just go ahead and talk, Dave, because I was able to squeeze two more minutes. It's outrageous. So what can I tell Now, there were a few other things I wanted to address here. Don't forget, coming up here in just a few short minutes, Meathead will be joining us talking about uh, barbecue sauce and regional styles. And I did want to mention, because uh, I wasn't able to do the show last week, that in case... You people continue. Look, there's a number of you out there, and you will not come forward because you don't have the testicular fortitude to confront me about it. But we talk about, and I post about it on the Facebook and on the Twitter all the time, about the Barbecue Central radio show Karma. You would recall a couple weeks back when Kit Rudd from DeGueo Barbecue was on, and he had just taken third place at a barbecue competition that uh, past weekend and he was you he was weeping and i'm so close and i don't know what the problem i said kid here's the great thing you're going to be going to a competition next week it's it's coming up here in just a few short days here's the benefit you were just on the barbecue central radio show guess what instant karma attaches and you tell me what happened let me tell you what happened what he won grand champion it's a show karma. Never it never doesn't work. It just never doesn't work. And I wanted to have him on the following week, uh, which was last week, to talk about it and what a big part it played in. I've just never been able to hear it yet. But uh, hopefully at some point I will be able... To uh, hear that portion of the interview uh, where kid is talking and probably heaping unyielding amounts of praises on me and the show because I put him over the top. I mean, it had nothing to do with his uh, constant refining and honing of uh, cooking skills. No, no, no. Uh, we won't talk about any of that. It had to do only with show karma. So that is what it's all about. Kit Rudd and Karma, and I love everything about it. Also, wanted to give a special mention to Kirk Moncrief from AlbuquerqueSeasonings.com and I, I know I kind of gave it a review of was it two weeks ago? I'm trying to remember. Like, the show has been off more than it has been on the last month. i got to be honest. Uh, but I remember giving a review of Albuquerque Seasonings uh, and the sauce and the rub and, and they work very well together, but I, I'm not a sweet sauce guy. And Albuquerque sauce is not a sweet sauce, which is why I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, when I was dealing with the rooftop barbecue, that was teetering on a little too sweet for me, but Albuquerque came right in for me. and I've realized this: I am not a sweet sauce guy. I had Guy Fieri, oh how do you say Fietti. I had Guy Fietti's sauces in the holding tank and I brought out the Carolina number no. six sauce. I I liked that sauce. Tangy, a lot of vinegar coming through, not a lot of sweet. Had some back-end Heat Jones on it. Very big fan of that show, uh, of that sauce. And then I brought out the uh, Casey Masterpiece brown sugar thing. Uh, Okay, it wasn't Casey Masterpiece, but it was the the Kansas City-style brown sugar bourbon sauce or whatever. Scott Roberts gave it a terrible uh, rating. You know what? He was right. I'm sorry, it's just not an overly great sauce. So to fix it, I dumped Carolina sauce in it, and it actually brought it up a notch. What can I tell you? Three other sauces from Guy Fieri's line that I'm going to be trying here over the next week or two, so I'll be able to give you my discerning palates review. Uh, But I did want to mention Kirk and thank him for coming on to the show last week as well. So that's all my stuff that I have lined up uh, for stuff that I me that I wanted to talk about and now we will go ahead and race over to the hotline where we pull up monthly contributor to the show and friend of the show most importantly it is Meathead joining us here on the show and uh, did I hang up on him is that what happened I think I I I hung up on him on accident Uh, we are joining by Meathead from AmazingRibs.com
5: Meathead how are you buddy Hello. Hello. (laughs) Um,
0: Let me tell you something. I got to tell you. Uh, I don't know what the incessant bullshit that Skype is doing, but they continue to screw with their user (laughs) interfaces, and it makes me look like a jackass. And I've had just about I think I might go to Google Voice from now on but they they have made meet they have made the interface for making your volume go up and down so ridiculous now. I'm turning my microphone up and microphone down and it's not even the one that I should be doing in the first place. It's outrageous. Meathead, thanks for joining me and uh, I apologize for missing you uh, You know, a handful of weeks ago when we were going to be talking about barbecue sauces and from what I understand, you held your own in the chat room but definitely wanted to get you back here so we could actually verbalize it a little bit more. Uh, but before we do that, of course, you are the purveyor of amazingribs.com, one of the most heavily trafficked barbecue websites out there what's happening over there in that playground
1: oh I you know it's summertime and I seem to be running the uh, the hotline I am just getting swamped with questions from readers and uh, having a lot of fun I uh, I've recently established a relationship with a physicist who is into barbecue and we've been doing some really interesting stuff I really don't want to talk about it just yet because I got to write it up but we've been doing some work on trying to figure out exactly what the stall is and what causes it, and I think we got to handle it. It's pretty cool, and I'll be writing about it fairly soon.
0: All right, so you, you said you were getting a lot of, you know, you're, you, you are running AmazingRibsHotline.com more or less right now because it's summertime. What are some of the questions that the masses are sending to Meathead? Give us an idea of what you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis.
1: Well, actually, you know, that's one of the reasons we dove into the stall because I get these. You know, I work a lot, and so I'm at my computer a lot. And so I get these messages coming through the website about people stuck in the stall and they're freaking out. And I got to hold their hand. It's okay. Don't worry. You know, so a lot of that sort of thing. Uh, um, a lot of questions about everybody loves my ribs, and so they asked me to cook for the crowd. And how do I do Thirty slabs of ribs on a Weber kettle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good you good. Buy, buy ten Weber kettles.
1: Yeah, right, right, right. It's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun. I taste. I write. I cook. I research. Um, in, in preparation for this, I, um, I, you know, I know a bit about barbecue sauces, but I, I really wanted to know more about the history of barbecue sauce, and I really got digging into the history. i I've spent I spent a lot of time in libraries when I travel. And I dug up a lot of notes and stuff. Had a lot of interesting stuff.
0: All right, so let me ask you this, Meathead, as we start our venture down barbecue sauce road here. You know, when we conjure up barbecue and where it belongs and these uh, meccas or very well-known regions of barbecue, let's call it Memphis, let's call it the Carolinas, yeah. let's call it Kansas City, let's call it Texas. I don't know mm-hmm. if we can classify that California thing as barbecue yet. Uh, There might be (laughs) fistfights involved, but if we stick with the well-known meccas and regions of barbecue that I just mentioned, has that always been synonymous with some type of sauce as well, or has a sauce been before or after a barbecue introduced, or how does that whole thing work out?
1: You know, I think they go hand in hand. I mean, sauce sauce was probably invented soon after barbecue was invented. Um, early, early cooks discovered that meat spoiled pretty fast and they got sick pretty fast and they learned that if they tossed it in the ocean, which was a salty solution, it would preserve it somewhat. Salt was a preservative. If they packed it in salt, uh, it would preserve. They learned if they smoked it, it would uh, it would keep. Um, and, uh, uh, I think they also discovered that when meat started getting funky, they could cover it up by taking it and throwing it in a pot and putting in some liquids and some flavorings and uh, um, seasonings. And uh, uh, so I, I think that you know here in the, in this country, the regional sauce styles emerged along with the recipes because they can't. I mean Americans were Europeans first, and Germans Germans love their mustard. Uh, Pork and mustard is is an old standby, and uh, a lot of Germans came through Charleston, and you have this band of uh, yellow barbecue sauces, mustard-based barbecue sauces, running from Charleston up through Columbia, right up the center of South Carolina. Uh, They're wonderful sauces, I absolutely adore them, they're my favorite sauces for pulled pork. Um it's just absolutely unnatural. Um the Spaniards brought hogs in with them. Uh they also brought vinegar in with them. Vinegar was a well known preservative and it was also used in seasoning. But tomatoes and chili peppers were native to Central America and South America. Um, Indians had them. Indians fell in love with pork. Uh, they would often. Uh, De Soto brought the hogs in in 1539 through Tampa, and um, the Indians. Uh, they it was this love hate relationship between the Indians and De Soto's boys as he traveled through the south, and and they would often war and kill each other, or they would often dine, and the Indians would often poach the hogs, and the Spaniards would often cook with the Indians, and they learned about. Um, chili peppers and uh, their, their unique seasonings, and the cultures exchanged flavors. So they came um, through Mexico. Uh, the conquistadors uh, came up through Mexico bringing cattle. They brought cattle, we think, through the Canary Islands. Um, and uh, all the flavors of p- tomato came up from, from Mexico. Um, so uh, you know, they came with the immigrants and their, their, their unique preferences.
0: All right, so as we start to delve into the particular regions of barbecue, and I appreciate the history lesson that you gave us there, Meathead. uh, Let's go ahead and start, I guess, with, I mean, closest to me is going to be the Carolinas. Obviously, there's North Carolina. You talked a little bit about the South Carolina mustard based stuff. Uh, But if we start in the Carolinas, how about a little, you know, history with that particular region and and where those styles came from?
1: Okay. well, well before, before I do that, I, just want, I, I found this fascinating quote I want to read to you first, right. and then we, we, we can go off on that, um, on that trail. Um, this is a quote from a cookbook. The transformation which occurs in the cauldron is quintessential and wondrous, subtle and delicate. The mouth cannot express in words. The mind cannot fix upon an analogy. It is like the subtlety of archery and horsemanship. Is the transformation of yin and yang, or the revolution of the four seasons. Any yeah, idea right. of what that's from?
0: Uh, wasn't that from <laughs> Dr. Barbecue's uh, sixth book?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was by in 239 BC by the Chinese chef Yi Yin. In the, the book was called Master Lu's Spring and Autumn Annals. Uh, but doesn't that sound like a barbecue sauce?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh,
1: All of the combinations of flavors. The Chinese were master sauciers, and when you think about Chinese sweet-sour sauce, what do you got? They often put heat in there. I mean, the core of those classic old Chinese sauces is the same kind of flavor profile that we love in American barbecue sauce. And, of course, pork. Um, Well, we were going to go talk about um, the Carolinas. That's a good place to start because... There's a, a good chance that barbecue sauces started evolving there. Um, uh, you know, vinegar uh, was a, a, a well-known preservative in Europe, a uh, well-known sauce base. The French used vinegar. I mean, vinegar is made from wine. Wine is made from grape juice. The earliest sauces were made from grape juices, then wines, then vinegars, and, in fact, fish sauce. what Fermented fish was an early barbecue sauce ingredient. And what's at the base of Worcestershire?
0: Anchovies?
1: Anchovies. If you've ever read the label of Worcestershire, really, there's anchovies in Worcestershire. Yeah, Yeah.
0: smarter than—not only is he movie star good looks, but I got some uh, collegiate behind me, too.
1: So there's fish in most barbecue sauces, um, because most barbecue sauces have Worcestershire in them. But in any case, uh, vinegar is at the core of the Carolina and Virginia styles of barbecue sauce. And in fact, vinegar uh, plays a role in almost all barbecue sauces in this country, more or less depending on the region. The simplest, of course, is the Eastern Carolina um, barbecue sauce styles, which are pretty much just vinegar with a little hot pepper, maybe some salt and maybe some black pepper. And that's about it. But vinegar is a great way to cut the fattiness of pork. Um, It's a great counterbalance. The unctuousness of the richness of the of the fat that comes from pork, and uh, if you move inland from the coasts of Carolina, then they started adding tomato sauce or ketchup to it. But it's still pretty much vinegar, hot pepper, salt, and black pepper. Um, you move north and west and south, and the variations go from there. I mean, most of our barbecue sauces—I I, count—I count ten regional styles in this country depending on how you slice them um, and a couple of other styles that are not really quite so regional, um, but you know, they, they pretty much fall into the um, basic categories, vinegar-based, tomato-based or mustard-based and almost all of them have vinegar. In them.
0: All right. So uh, that's a region. Now, I mean, you've been around there all the, time. do you have like a personal favorite of all those weird regions of the, the Carolinas <laughs> that you prefer the best?
1: Now, they're not so weird if you live there, Greg. Right? Of course. <laughs> Actually, I am really, really fond of the mustard sauces. Um, uh, that come out of uh, South Carolina, uh, particularly around the Columbia area. They're real simple. Um, uh, and uh, I've got a recipe for a pretty decent one on my website. I've got recipes for almost all of the regional sauces. I spend a lot of time fussing with them and playing with them. Um, uh, but... Uh, You can really uh, amp them up uh, quite a bit with herbs and spices, too. Uh, They look funky. I mean, you're not going to win prizes on your ribs with a mustard sauce on them. They're not shiny. They're dull. They turn brown sometimes. But, oh, what a wonderful flavor they have.
0: The barbecue in the Carolinas, though, is not brisket it's not necessarily chicken it's really just a lot of pork whether it be whole hog whether it be shoulders and picnics or however you want to cut it really that seems to be the main fare at least you know from what i'm seeing uh, talking to people that are there you see it on the television yeah. i mean does it do they explore into ribs at all or, or is it mostly just uh, what i had explained before
1: well you know we're a global world society now. i mean uh international as well as national i mean The red, sweet, Kansas City-style barbecue sauce is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. You find it even in the Carolinas. Um, uh, So, you know, it's hard to escape. We're mobile. People move from place to place. So although ribs were not a standard fare of traditional Carolina barbecue, it was pork. And actually, it was just called barbecue. Barbecue was a noun. Barbecue was um, either chopped or shredded or pulled. And it was usually served on a sandwich or piled on a plate, and it had sauce on it. And the sauce was either vinegar or vinegar with a little tomato or ketchup, and that was pretty much the fare. And, and you know, there was, there, there was some infighting. Actually, it's worse than that if if you hear some folks as to whether it is whole hog uh, or just shoulder. Um, it's one part of the Carolinas where you have to have the whole hog and mix all the meats together to get the quintessential flavor. Others, just pure shoulder. Um, you know, but it, it, the, the borders are blurred.
0: All right, so let's move out of the, uh, that, that region, unless there's anything else that I haven't asked you about or led you in that you would like to add before we leave. Well,
1: the, the one thing that's really nice about these sauces is they're thin, yep. and which means they penetrate. Um, they soak in. So it doesn't take much, and they really pack a lot of flavor. Um, there's not a lot of sugar, uh, you can add sugar. Some do. Um, one of my favorite Carolina sauces, um, George's has a little bit of apple cider in it. And that really, I think takes it right up over the edge. And I've got that, uh, a reasonable facsimile of it, uh, a deconstructed and reconstructed version on my site. Um, uh, not too sweet. Can't get too sweet. Otherwise it's not traditional. But uh, that, thats the real benefit of these sauces is they penetrate, they keep the meat moist, and they're really flavorful.
0: Meathead Goldwyn joining us here from AmazingRibs.com. com. We're talking about barbecue sauces and uh, those regional styles from whence they encompass. Uh, Meathead, before we go to the next part of the country, let me just ask you. I mean, you have your own palate. I, I'm always stressing on the show. I mean, we might argue about this or that, or I'm going to tell you what my opinion is and why it's right and everybody else is wrong. But we all have our own palates, and I always tell everybody, you got to trust your own palate. What tastes right to you, what tastes good to you, is right. That is correct, and it's not what anybody else says. So uh, in saying that, do you have a particular favorite style of sauce when somebody gives you a pork barbecue or a, a bread? Brisket, barbecue, or ribs, are you reaching for a particular sauce or are you kind of all encompassing with like a a, uh, one sauce could inevitably uh, cure all?
1: You know, that's the old question about who's your favorite child. Uh, The French said chacun à son goût. Taste is a matter of taste. When I'm doing pulled pork, I find that I reach for the mustard sauce more than anything else. When I'm doing ribs, I find that I reach for a tomato-based uh, Kansas City-style sauce, although I love dry ribs, which is popular style in Memphis, just mm-hmm. a good dry rub. Um, uh, for, uh, for whole hog uh, or just a, a pile of shoulder meat on a plate, I really like the vinegary sauces, so I, I, I kind of fluctuate. And, of course, for brisket, there's the Texas sauce. We, we can talk more about each of them, What? Why don't we talk a little bit about um, the Texas sauce? Because that's just a whole other animal altogether.
0: Yeah, that's where uh, we were going to swing down anyway. So go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think that for now, I haven't been going to Texas um, as long as I've been going to these other regions. I, I made my first Texas barbecue trip, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. And uh, uh, so, I, you know, things have changed, I hear, from the, the old days. But The real eye-opener I had, and I think a lot of people have this eye-opener, is when they visit Cooper's up in Llano. Cooper's is in the middle of nowhere. Llano, Texas is just this little stoplight in in, in, in cow country, up in hill country, and uh, Cooper's is this wonderful place that you have to go to if you've never been there before. Um, They have a little airport there just for private planes. They leave their van parked at the airport with the keys in it, so you can fly in and people fly in from Austin and Dallas all the time, jump in the van, drive over for lunch, fly back out. Um, uh, They have these old big cinder block pulley pits with metal lids on the top and you pull a a rope and pulleys lift the lid and they cook everything from cabrito, uh, which is a goat to ribs to, and the rubs are pretty much just Dalmatian rub, uh, salt and pepper. And at the end pit where the, um, um, you just sent me a message about my audio and I missed it. What was that, crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, I, uh, you know, I didn't know if you could kind of read through it, but I thought your camera was picking up your audio and not your headset. Because when you leaned oh. into the monitor, it looked, you, you sounded a little bit more rich and full. I could be way off base, though.
1: I I can assure you I'm full, but not rich. All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How's that?
0: Uh, Roughly Uh, the same. I
1: can't hear you, though. Uh,
0: Yeah, that's not good. Hear me first. All right. Okay. (laughs) Continue on. I I
1: apologize. They they have a pit that you walk up to where the meats are staged, and you point at the meat you want, and then they ask you if you want sauce, and... If you say yes, there's this big bucket, and they dip the meat in the sauce. And as the day progresses, <laughs> the flavors of the meats that they – and they do they do sausage. They do, they do goat. They do ribs. They do pork chops. They do uh, uh, everything you can imagine there. And, it's, and, and, and the rub comes off and the flavors and the juices. And that sauce is so wonderful because it has meat drippings in it. Yeah. And this is at the core of the classic French and Spanish and Italian cuisine. Meat drippings, meat sauces, bouillon. Um, these are just it's just now you know think of French cuisine when you're at, at, at Cooper's, but it's at the core of the classic um, great French cooking is using meat juices in the sauces. You go inside and you sit down. If you take, if you say no to the sauce out of the pit, you go inside and sit down, and there's a bottle of sauce there. But it tastes nothing like the stuff at the pit.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, and, you, and, you would, you would want to be like one of the last customers to go to that store if you're going to get the sauce, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. <coughs> or certainly get there, you know, midday or so, because it's just got all this wonderful flavor in it. Um, and, and, and if you read Walter Jaton's book, uh, he was Lyndon Johnson's cook. Uh, a lot of those old recipes had drippings, fats, and flavors in there, particularly beef. Pork fat and pork drippings don't seem to work so well, but you see that in Texas and beef. So at, and now, Texas also gets its sauce heritage from, again, European immigrants, but particularly now from Czechoslovakia and Germany and Hungary. If you go down there, a lot of the barbecue joints have... Czech names, German names, um, uh, uh, now now the Mexican in- influence is strong, uh, and that would be Spanish via Mexico, and also Mayan and Aztec cultures come up, and then you also have the freed slaves who came through Texas. So you have all three influences in the cuisine of Texas, and and that shows up in the sauces. You see things like bell peppers in the sauces, and they're not sweet. Now... Everybody – every time I write about sauces, everybody says, you've got to have stubs. you got to have – I love stubs. Stubs is a great Austin-based sauce. But it's really a Kansas City sauce. Now, when I say a Kansas City sauce, what I mean is is it's a thick, rich, sweet tomato sauce with um, – it sits on top of the meat. It doesn't percolate down through like the vinegar sauces or like these other thin Texas sauces. Um It's just really sticky and sweet. And that's a whole different animal. And I love stuff, but it's really not a true Texas style as I envision
0: it. It's... You know what? I think it is kind of a, a weird hybrid because I'm a huge Stubbs fan. Uh, not necessarily something that I'm going to put on ribs or put on pork, but I have found it to be exceptionally well is it's like my secret ingredient when I'm doing baked beans on the smoker. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll take like uh, the Bush's baked beans and I put them in th- uh, through a colander and I'll strain out a lot of that juice and I put them in the foil pan and then I'll put three quarters, depending on how much I got, maybe a whole bottle of Stubbs medium sauce. It's the green label. And it's, it's not hugely thick like traditional Kansas City style, like real thick, real sweet. It's not real thin like you were talking about with traditional tech, but there seems to be kind of that fine line that works really well for me in beans. And I use it, and everybody loves it, and they want to know what the secret ingredient is. I'm not going to tell them because it seems so simplistic and so lazy on my part, but it tastes very good. So I think it, it kind of runs that in between, and, and I completely agree with you on that. And I love well, that sauce. I,
1: but, of course, what, uh, if you've been down there, you know that Texas beans are not at all like what you're describing. They don't have barbecue sauce in them. They're just plain pinto beans or other kinds of beans, and they're mildly seasoned. They may have beer in them, uh, but they got peppers and uh, seasonings, cumin, black pepper, onions, maybe a touch of ketchup but not at all sweet and rich.
0: All right, so what else do we need to know about uh, Texas and uh, the barbecue sauce over there?
1: Well, that's, you know, I mean, the the old classic style, I think, is pretty much disappeared, and you can't find it in the bottle. I haven't. If somebody out there knows a classic Texas-style sauce that is thin, that has meat drippings, you know, maybe a bouillon flavor or something like that, I'd love to know about it. Um, Cooper's comes close. Uh, but I just have not found. You pretty much got to make your own, and I tell—I have a recipe for it that involves adding beef stock. Um, but uh, uh, and I think it's just great on brisket uh, if you do it that way.
0: What What about like Arthur Bryant's?
1: Well, Arthur Bryant's is of course the holy temple of Kansas City. But it's interestingly enough, as like the pioneer or one of the pioneers of Kansas City barbecue. His sauces are really different than what I and a lot of others describe as the Kansas City style. Um, I think of the Kansas City style, as I said, as being you know, often molasses involved, sweet, thick, sits on top of the meat, doesn't penetrate much, really crisps up beautifully, like for ribs, gets nice and shiny. Bryant's is all is a whole different. Um, uh, uh, were you thinking of Sonny Bryant?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm thinking of Sonny Bryant.
1: Ah, An idiot, it just dawned on me. Yeah, 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 sorry. yeah okay. I, I went off into the Kansas City can You know, <laughs> you said a one word to me. And I I'm know. Gone.
0: It's, it's gone. You've left Texas. You're right in Kansas City, just that so quick.
1: <laughs> well, let's do Kansas City sonny Bryan's is fun by the way sonny Bryan's is a great place to go i love that place
0: all right well let's do um, this let me uh the original. if, if the original. we're going to be if we're going to leave texas let me do this uh, let me break real quick to talk about uh, my last sponsor of the show here and, and i got time uh, to get a glass of wine uh, well yeah can you do it in three minutes
1: oh god yeah all right I well drink, uh, i got drink it
0: the three <laughs> there you go all right well you do that i'm going to talk about uh butcher barbecue here just for a, a few minutes Newest sponsor to the show, it's Butcher BBQ. You can find them at butcherbbq.com. If you're any type of competitor, the name isn't new to you. They're uh, one of the top injections that are out there, one of the top marinades out there right now that are being used by highly skilled and uh, qualified barbecue cooks and being enjoyed by the same highly skilled and qualified barbecue judges. Backyard cookoffs you got competitions that are sanctioned by various barbecue associations from around the United States, even into America's hat, better known as Canada. And it's a simple-to-use marinade designed to be injected into the meat. That's right, into the meat. That's why they call it injections. To increase the moisture while intensifying the natural beef flavor. That's right. There are uh, two to choose from, if in case you didn't know. You have the beef injection. You also... Have a pork injection as well for the uh, brisket injection. Uh, All taste palates are different, so remember that. I always say trust your palate. Strengthen to your taste. Start with three-quarters of a cup of the marinade, two cups of water. Uh, You can, of course, split it with water or beer or apple juice, cola, whatever you like, and then place your brisket on a cookie sheet with the edges to help catch any excess marinade. And then using a checkerboard-style pattern, inject every other square, keeping the injection needle uh, into the meat, obviously. The beef and... uh, the The product consists of the hydrolyzed vegetable protein, uh, and that is very important to that. Uh, Same type of style with the uh, pork injection, but I did want to mention one other thing. It's the newest product out there right now called Grill. It's a revolutionary product that can uh, flavor many different types of meats with some easy-to-follow applications. One way through marinating. So you're going to put your meat in type of a a Ziploc bag, and you're just going to let it cover that with a grill product for two to four hours Uh, a a quicker more efficient way is through injection or you can throw care completely out the window throw it all the way out you can marinate and then you can inject putting grill flavor all around it and then inside it highly recommended for chicken but after you taste it you realize it can be used on ribs and steak and pork chops it gives you all the moistness and expect all the flavor right from this brand new product called grill check it out today you get two pounds for $25 and 50 cents it doesn't get any better than that there's barbecue sauce on butcher barbecue as well there's rubs you got to check it out right now butcher bbq BBQ is the place to go for your injections for both pork and brisket and then you have that new item called grill It's absolutely fantastic. Check it out. Newest sponsor of the show, Dave Bosky. He was just on in the first hour talking about Extreme Home Makeover, in case you missed it. And we got the beef injection, the pork injection, and, of course, a grill. So uh, be sure to check that out. It's Butcher Barbecue at ButcherBBQ.com. We're rejoined by Meathead Goldwyn from AmazingRibs.com. Leaving Texas now, we're talking regional styles of barbecue sauce and heading into what many consider to be the place for barbecue, which is uh, Kansas City.
1: And guess what? What? My computer speaker was on, and I switched it off. Yeah, and now am I fuller and richer?
0: (laughs) No, you sound the same. (laughs) What is going on? Like when you just moved your uh, when you just moved your headset, I didn't even hear your finger on it. Yeah, so uh, if you go into like options and then audio settings and then microphone, you don't want to
1: talk about this. I'm on a Mac, which means I don't get viruses, wise guy.
0: Oh, wait a second. Well, you know, you're down three or four weeks and. but, you know, I still sound good. You still sound like you're on a, a camera microphone there. Uh, all right. So uh, we, we go into Kansas City. And, you know, like I just said, a lot of people consider this to be uh, the mainstay of where real barbecue is. And, and again, you, you know, depending on where you're at, uh, fistfights ensue. But what do we know about Kansas City style barbecue sauce? And really, that seems to be the most popular throughout uh, anywhere, not only in the country, but perhaps the world.
1: Well, I think so. I think they've really taken uh, this country by storm. When you go into the grocery store, when you look for barbecue sauce, the largest shelf is the thick red stuff. Kansas City Masterpiece, Craft, um, uh, Sweet Baby Ray's. Those are what a lot of folks consider the Kansas City style. Uh, many of them are not from Kansas City, but they're the rich tomato Essentially, they're ketchup on steroids. Yeah. they've got a little more vinegar. They got a little more molasses. They got some interesting new flavors. Often they have uh, liquid smoke added, but they're tomato-based or ketchup-based or tomato paste-based. And God knows there's a, a place for them. I mean, that seems to be you know the dominant style. Um, uh, it, it, both in restaurants around this country, on the barbecue circuit. I mean, what, what would happen if I had a competition team and I showed up at the KC Royal with um, um, a South Carolina mustard sauce?
0: Oh, you would lose.
1: Or a Lexington dip.
0: Yeah, that, that would be uh, it for you.
1: Yeah, that would be it for me. It would laugh me off. And I could have great meat. But they would just laugh me off, and and that's part of the problem. I love I love KCBS and what it's done for America and for barbecue, for the barbecue culture. But it has globalized in so many ways. Um, this regionality—you joked earlier about the regional stuff, which I love to talk about. We talk about hot dogs and hamburgers and barbecue sauces because I love I love our regional cultures. I love our history. Um, and this is a rich uh, ethnic. Uh, diversity in this country, and this stuff that we're talking about today and that we always seem to be talking about is is, is what makes, it okay, sounds like I'm running for office, what <laughs> makes America great, but I just love this stuff, and we're getting it uh, ironed over and uh, steamrolled down, um, I fear, uh, by the standardization uh, that we see in the judging and the requirements of the judging and the panel.
0: All right. Well, let me ask you this. And we're going to get away from sauce just for one second. But I mean, you're one of the smartest guys I know that I talk to on a regular basis. What is the fascination? The fascination. And you mentioned it and I was going to mention it anyway, even if you didn't bring it up when we're talking about these Kansas City style sauces is this uh, liquid smoke which has to be one of the most putrid ingredients ever made on the face of the earth i think devils are actually taking a leak in bottles and somehow they've managed to sell it in stores it's the worst thing ever and they put it in these sauces and obviously i'm wrong because as we can both agree the this is what's selling in the stores across the country uh, wide and far what is the fascination with liquid smoke and why are they putting it in these products
1: Well, you know, on my website um, and uh, in my correspondences, I like to say um, there are no rules in the bedroom or the dining room. And I try not to be pedantic. (laughs) Um, But um, you're not the first to make that observation. I've been reading James Beard. Uh, James Beard, one of the first great American uh, cooks and writers about uh, food, food. Back in the 50s, he wrote uh, one of the first barbecue cookbooks. Uh, It was called Barbecue and Rotisserie. Um, And uh, he absolutely goes off on liquid smoke. He absolutely detests it. It's just amazing. It blew me away because he sounded like a very contemporary barbecue cook. Uh, Liquid smoke is really a very simple ingredient. It's easy to make. You can do it at home. You just capture smoke. Um, like you would in uh, uh, whiskey still, and you condense it and dissolve it in water, or alcohol is more like it. So it's really just the smoke. Now, it chemically, is a little different than what you get in the smoke that permeates your meat, but it's really pretty much the same stuff. What it, I think one of the reasons it's so popular is that barbecue sauce... Kansas City-style barbecue sauce, red, thick, sweet sauce, has come to mean barbecue to much of this country. You have barbecue potato chips. You have crockpot barbecue. Um, And this is not a new concept, by the way. I found it in the Fannie Farmer cookbook going back decades um, where it was a a lamb roasted in the oven, and she called it barbecued lamb because she had a barbecue sauce on it. (laughs) Barbecue sauce didn't sound anything like what we make today. Um, so, But when you dump barbecue, I mean, you take ribs, throw them in a crock pot, and dump in a quart of barbecue sauce, and you've got barbecue ribs <laughs> right. to a lot of people. And, and part of that flavor is that smoky, artificial, outdoorsy flavor, and I, people love it. Um, I think uh, it, it just adds that outdoor flavor to them.
0: All right, so I think it's a shortcut. That's what I think. And the other thing that uh, I want to say is, you know, when you're talking about the, the same smoke flavor that you're getting on your, you know, ribs or your brisket or whatever, that smoke flavor is good. But when you concentrate anything that is already bad and then you, con- <laughs> and then you concentrate it, it's like, you know, when you have a bag of shit, if you put more shit on top of it, you just have more shit. So well, to me, that's, not- uh, that's the essence of liquid smoke.
1: Not all smoke is the same. You know, I mean, pyrolysis creates all different compounds, including creosote, which God knows we don't want on our food. Um, and, and cigarette smoke is a very different kind of smoke, yes. very different kind of flavor. You don't want that on your meat. Right? It's a different flavor. A lot of people like it. Um, most commercial sauces have it. It's very hard to find uh, barbecue sauce that doesn't. Now, the Agreed. Carolina sauces don't have it. Right. In, in, in fact. Uh, you know, we were talking. Jumping back a little bit, we were talking about the Carolina sauces. One of the things I I did a lot of research in uh, in preparation for tonight's chat. I believe the oldest barbecue sauce in America uh, is um, Scott's barbecue uh, Scott's family barbecue sauce uh, from Goldsboro, North Carolina, yeah. um, and it's been bottled uh, down there. They actually started making it in 1917. They changed the recipe about 30, 40 years ago, I think. Slightly, Uh, but and they've been bottling it since '46, and it's been in production um, ever since 1917. And I think right behind them um, comes Mall's barbecue sauce uh, out of St. Louis, and they've been around since '26. There's a lot of you know, there's a lot of hooey on the internet as well. We know um, that says that Oscar Mayer is the oldest, not Oscar Mayer. Excuse me. Um, Heinz is the oldest barbecue sauce uh, in the world in bottle. They didn't start bottling. It's 1948. But if you look up the history of barbecue sauce, you'll find 100 websites that say 1948, H.J. Heinz in Pittsburgh. And uh, Mall in St. Louis has a beat by 22 years. And uh, Scott's in uh, North Carolina, much beyond that.
2: Yeah, uh, I've
0: actually had Scott's. It's very good. Uh, so I didn't know that uh, particular oh, well. history on it, but I absolutely love that. Uh, but I think, you know, as I had mentioned prior to even getting in the first interview tonight, uh, my palate is more vinegar, uh, more tart, more tang. I like heat. And it's not... Uh, for. Having now finally tried the Blues Hog style sauce
1: uh,
0: and the original Blues Hog that everybody talks about on the competition scene, uh, they have two different sauces. They have Blues Hog original. They have Blues Hog red. The red I fell in love with the minute I tasted it because it's right up my alley. The Blues Hog original, it's almost it, – it, it's it, – You can't work with it like right out of the thing. It's very almost like, uh, yes, it's syrup, very thick. And uh, every time I kind of smack my lips together, I I wait to hear the crunching of sugar crystals. It's so over the top sweet, (laughs) and so.
1: But the the flavors, the spices he's got in there, which are also in his rub, yeah, his rub has the same flavor. I love that uh, those spices.
0: So I, I I guess. For for my palate, I don't see where the success lies with Competition Barbecue and the Blues Hawk, because obviously the majority of people at the Wing are out there using it, but that's well, a different I think story.
1: Part of it is, is, he's got a lot of corn syrup in his sauce. Yeah. And one of the things corn syrup does now, I don't really want to get into this big argument about corn syrup versus natural sugar. This is just a bunch of hooey. Um, corn syrup is just as natural as cane sugar. Um, and, uh, see, I said I didn't want to get anyone. I'm getting anyone. Uh, but he has a lot of corn. One of the things corn syrup does. And if you're out there, guys and gals making your own barbecue sauces, corn syrup gives it shine. When your ribs come off the grill, they are shiny. You can see your face in them. Yep. And that's what corn syrup does. And blues hog has a ton of it.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and try and wrap up Kansas City. We have a, a few minutes left because there was one other thing that I wanted to mention that has nothing to do with uh, the sauces tonight, but uh, go ahead.
1: A couple other quick sauces I want to... Yeah. All right, the other thing about Kansas City is, is, is I think everybody listening this knows, this. because it's so sweet, you can't put it on till the very end. Right, It'll burn up in uh, in any kind of heat. Now, at low and slow temps, at 225, it's not going to burn up. But a lot of times, it's nice if you put it on near the end and then get it right over high heat, Crisp it; the sugar will caramelize. You get a little little blackening, and you get it crunchy. It's almost like uh, candy, and that's a nice touch. But you got to be careful about the sugar in it. A couple other quick sauces we got to mention if we're going to do our survey here. Can't go away without talking about Alabama white sauce. Big Bob Gibson's, Chris Lilly. It's a it 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 it, 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 it's sort of it's it's mayonnaise based. Um, There are a couple of recipes floating around out there. Um, Years ago, before he let any kind of recipe out there, I sent it to him, and he said, it's too close. Would I mind taking it off the website? We negotiated, and I left it up there, Um, but uh, (laughs) I've got a good recipe for it, Um, and it's a lot of fun. It works best on chicken. I don't care for it on ribs and pulled pork, but it's really popular in northern Alabama, and you can't omit it because it's really uh, not only Big Bob Gibson's, but a lot of the other barbecue joints around that area use it now. And then we got to mention the most esoteric and strangest and smallest uh, regional sauce, and that's Kentucky Black Barbecue Sauce, which is about 50-50 vinegar and Worcestershire. Wow. And they use it mostly on mutton, which is at the base of Kentucky, northern Kentucky up by Owensboro. North, and, and, and their idea of barbecue is... They take mutton and a bunch of other stuff and throw it in a big kettle and then they put it, the kettle over an open flame and that makes it outdoor open flame cooking. And they use this kind of barbecue sauce. on. It's really nice sauce, though.
0: Do you Are you a fan of mutton barbecue?
1: Hey, yeah, I like lamb.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, are you a fan of that particular style
1: barbecue? I'm getting friendly with it. I, I like lamb, and it's interesting. Uh, I don't know that I've had the best. I hear the best of that type is found at church socials on Sundays after. And I've only had it from the restaurants, and i got to go down there and spend a week and hit church socials. It, we, we should also mention fruit sauces, which are not a regional one, but there's a lot of really nice ones out there. Um, uh, God, I'm kind of drawing a blank. There's an outfit in Florida that's turning out some really great raspberry uh, And I've heard you mention them, so you know them, too. Oh, uh, Uh,
0: the Intensity Academy? Is that them? No. No? no,
1: no. Uh, I'll think of it. Um, And then um, Sweet Glazes, which are really kind of like Danny Golden's legendary mustard glazes, mostly sugar with some flavoring. And then there's some novelty sauces. I've had a really interesting chocolate barbecue sauce Hmm. from a place called Tristan's down in Charleston. Um, It's a fascinating topic, and... You know, the the, the subject's wide open. Anybody can have fun with it.
0: All right, before we go, uh, Meathead, let me ask you about this. We're talking with Meathead Goldwyn. He is the proprietor of AmazingRibs.com, one of the most heavily trafficked websites when it comes to barbecue. So if you haven't ever checked it out, just chock full of information about everything and anything as it relates to the world of outdoor live fire cooking. Can,
1: Can I just correct you on one little point? Please. According to the latest statistics, it is the most... Traffic barbecue website in the world. The
0: most heavily traffic. As, as a
1: baseball fan, on July 3rd, um, 50,000 people came to uh, amazingribs.com. Wow. On that same day, 48,000 people went to Wrigley Field to see the Cubs and the Sox play. So I outdrew the crosstown rivalry by 2,000.
0: That's right. And you're winning more than they are, I would imagine. <laughs> Uh, meathead, let me read this back to you for one second. And then, uh, we'll ensue with an argument for the last four or five minutes of the show here. <clears throat> uh, somebody wrote to me on the subject of the definition of barbecue, which you still seem to be struggling with. Remember barbecue is a big word and under its wings are grilling rotisserie, roasting barbacoa, charbroiling, open pit, etc. Here's a paragraph I just added to my discussion of the definition. And it so reads, Let's look at how KCBS competitors cook the most difficult, most ornery, most challenging chunk of meat on their menu, beef brisket. Nowadays, many of the top competitors are paying big bucks for packer-sized briskets cut from rare Wagyu breed beef of cattle. Wagyu originally from Japan and responsible for the prized beef of Kobe... Uh, I have no idea what that word is, are known for highly marbled muscle. The weaving of fat between muscle fibers when melted adds moisture, rich on to presentation that often translate into prize money. But in order to get to melt, most of these uh, barbecue traditionalists cook their briskets at well over 300 degrees Fahrenheit. Are we still low and slow here? When one considers that many of the top money winners are really braising or... Butter poaching their chickens, does this mean that half of the barbecue meats in the winter circle are not barbecue? Now, Meathead, there was a guy who once said that uh, barbecue was becoming a place for a world of snobs. Does this not smack of barbecue snobdom?
1: Well, if you can't hear the clucking of a tongue deeply <laughs> embedded in cheek, then you really need to turn up your earphones. <laughs> I mean, that was my letter to you. And I was making the point that you're saying that barbecue is low and slow. And I'm telling you that they're cooking their briskets at $350 in order to melt the fat in their $200 Wagyu briskets. And that when it comes to chicken, they're poaching it in butter. It never sees open flame until the very last minute when they try to crisp the skin. So, two of the four meats in the Kansas City barbecue. Uh, championship, uh, Kansas City Barbecue Society championships don't fit the purest definition of low and slow, large cuts of meat, smoke, indirect, etc., etc., etc. I've been trying to make the argument to you that the definition of barbecue is very broad. And if you accept that, then by all means... The way they're cooking brisket and chicken on the barbecue circuit is barbecue. But if you don't, if you're going to stick to this antiquated, revisionist definition, then you have to talk to KCBS about those two meats.
0: I will not bend. I am antiquated. (laughs) I am a revisionist, and I absolutely agree. This is not barbecue that they're... I will will actually make the point back to you, Mr. Meathead, that competition barbecue is not... Competent is not barbecue at all. they're not cooking it oh. the way they would eat it. they're not cooking it the way it should be cooked, and it is a, a microcosm or some type of bastard faction of what how it used to be cooked and is now just a vehicle in order to make money. That's what I think. We agree. All right. Well, good. I'm glad we could agree on that. We're talking with Meathead Goldwyn. Amazingribs.com is the website. Meathead, I always appreciate the conversation, and we'll do it again next month. Thanks so much.
1: Greg, it's always a pleasure.
0: All right. Take care. There he is. Meathead. It's good that we can end uh, just like that in agreeance. I love to agree. Let's see if I can get out of here in 40 seconds. Thanks to Meathead for joining me for the last hour amazingribs.com talking about regional barbecue sauce first hour we had Michael D from Charbecue charbq.com check it out and also we had Dave Bosca from Butcher Barbecue talking about extreme home makeup we're loaded out next week already so be sure to stay tuned for that wanted to help you uh, control the rusty grill grate population please season your cast iron grill grates after every season Every use. Till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud US American Greg Rempe. Good night now.